Hi there and welcome back to All Over the Place, Exercises in E Pluribus Unum. I'm your host, Eric Porvoznik, and we've got a great show today. I'm very excited for this. I mean, uh, full disclosure, I am a uh, sports official, uh, primarily a baseball guy, occasionally a softball guy, and we are going to be discussing today uh, the lack of civility and sportsmanship and the decline in it, I should say. Not the lack of, but there's been a decline in it over the last few years. And I'm, I'm excited to be, uh, we've got a great guests from across the country. We've got people with the National Federation of High School Sports. We've got people from out here where I am in Arizona, assigners, uh, people who have been, uh, you know, uh, a lot of experience on the field, behind the scenes as well, and uh, we're going to be having. I'm looking for some great discussions today, and uh, it looks like we have one of them with us now. Dana, have you? Uh, are you in the? Are you in the studio, so to speak? I am indeed. I don't know if you can hear me. I can hear you. A okay, fine, and this is this is awesome. So hey, all right. So uh, and well, since you're here, I'm going to introduce you fully. And uh, this is Dana Pappas, and she is the director of officiating services with the National Federation for High School Sports, otherwise known as NFHS, which I can barely say one time quickly, let alone two or three times. It's a tongue twister. So Dana, hello, and welcome to the show. Hello, thank you so much for having me on this evening. I'm looking forward to the conversation. Now, as, as am I, and it looks like we've got Coach Bill in here as well, and I'm, I'm going to guess that that uh, would be uh, my my uh, my old teammate. Uh, no, Bill Gately. Oh, Bill Gately is here. Oh, God. wow, this is awesome. This is I invited uh, a a friend of mine, uh, an old teammate, and his dad. It's Bill Zednick and uh, Bill Zednick Jr. Uh, and uh, I thought maybe he'd be joining us. But Bill, I'm glad you were here as well. So Coach Bill, and this is Bill Gatelaver. And Bill, I'll let you introduce yourself because you've got so many titles. I don't know where to begin. Uh, Chief Cook and Bottle Washer, mainly. Um, but thank you for having me on. I, I, I love the topic, love the show. Um, I am a high school baseball coach, uh, was a college coach for many, many years, and now basically semi-retired. Um and I have a, a company called College Find that my co-founder, who is Rear Admiral Jim Simons, we, we're an educational service company. And that's, that's about it. And don't even ask me to do that one time fast, much less with NFHS. So, Bill, thank you for joining us. And I see that uh, Shannon Easton has joined us, a.k.a. Lady Ref. Shannon, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Eric. And, uh, and Shannon, I want to introduce, she is with uh, Arizona's Canyon Athletic Association. And uh, Shannon also has the distinction of being the first female ref in the National Football League. So thanks for joining us and bringing your expertise to the table today, Shannon. Appreciate it. Oh, thanks, Eric. And my co-host, Jimmy C. Hello and welcome back from vacation, my man. Good to be back, Eric. All right, so let, let's just – gang's all here, and actually uh, there will be one other person joining us uh, later on. Uh, Kevin Doherty hopefully will be in, in on the conversation, another assigner of mine out here in, in, uh, in Arizona. And to get things going, I, as I mentioned in the introduction, we're, we're discussing the decline in civility and sportsmanship in, in high school and, and youth sports, which I think is where more of it is stemming from now as it works its way up into the higher levels. Uh, but, you know, uh, I'm going to throw this at you, Dana. Um, where do you, where do you think it, it all be? And, and let me, before, let me back that up. I know this is not a new phenomenon, so to speak. We, we've all experienced as, as players through the years, there's always been over exuberant fans in the stands, coaches who have less than savory things to say to the officials, but I, I've seen it exacerbated so much more in my 10 years as a high school uh, official and certainly baseball and even before in, in that, just doing youth sports. And how do you think we've gotten here, Dana? I think it's a combination of factors. Really, like you said, it's been something that's been going on for a long time, ever since sports began and there were officials, there were pretty much fans to yell at those officials. So a lot of the problem we're seeing now is just the, the prevalence of, all of these negative incidents that are taking place that are all over social media. I think it's just a little more readily available for public consumption, unfortunately. And, you know, when I speak, a lot of what I talk about is from the high school perspective and we're in a, 
kind of a, a sticky wicket when it comes to our position in the, the sports world because we are in between club, youth sports, and collegiate athletics, and we get some of the trickle down from college. We get some of the trickle up from some of the youth sports, and it really has hindered our ability to be able to recruit and retain officials at our level. Um, so much of what you see online with the officials' assaults and just poor behavior toward contest officials and sometimes toward athletes and coaches, um, a lot of that's happening at some of the other levels and it's definitely affecting our ability to keep officials to get officials because people see it blasted all over Twitter and kind of go, yep, don't really think I want to do that in my spare time. So I think part of it's just societal, to be honest with you. I, I hate to take it down to that basic level, but as you see kind of a general decline in civility, that rings true in sports. So I think it's just, it's become kind of a perfect storm of what's going on societally, but it's also become just easier to see it. It probably has always been going on to some degree, but now it's just, it's readily available at our fingertips. Every time we look online, something about officials assault or abuse is, is right in front of us. So it's just, it, it's a bad spot right now, but we're definitely trying to figure out how to turn that tide. Well, I did see something encouraging in uh, one of the uh, NFHS notes that we, we get uh, periodically and that, you know, in several states, uh, they have, people are in, there's a 6% increase in sports officials in the 2021 to 2022 uh, time span, which is down 3% from 18 to 19 before, you know, the, the pandemic and the shutdowns and the lockdowns and all that stuff. So uh, are, are we, have we at least turned somewhat of a corner in that regard? Or, I mean... It seems that way. We did um, from 1819 to 2021, we actually saw a decrease of about 50,000 sports officials nationwide. The good news is this past year, we did see some of those officials come back as well as some new officials coming in. So we were on a, a downhill trend for quite a while as far as officials numbers and the pandemic hitting uh, absolutely exacerbated that issue. So there were many people who you know, didn't want to officiate because they had to wear masks or some places where sports were just shut down, um, they didn't have officiating. So they stepped away from it. And then when sports came back, they were, they just didn't come back. We had people who were on the brink of retirement where the pandemic forced it a little earlier than they probably had planned to take it. But we did see a rebound a little bit this year in a lot of our states. Um, we received data from about 29 of our states, and of those 29, I believe it was 23 of them actually saw an increase from last year to this year, which was positive. Mm -hmm. There were other states that it continued on a downhill uh, pattern, so we're trying to figure out what's going on. We're right now in the process of breaking that down by sport to see if there's specific sports where we're seeing a particular shortage or if it's something where it's just across all sports, um, if that's where the concern is. So there was some, I felt a little cautiously optimistic when I got in the numbers from last year to this year. And it's something that will continue to track those trends and try to look and see where we need the most help, both by sport and by state, because it, it looks like there's some issues in particular regions of the country that we really want to look to address and see where the NFHS can be a support to those states. Right. And uh, Shannon, uh, my involvement with, with CAA, the Canyon Athletic Association, has been uh, typically, you know, it, it's uh, the competition's a little bit different than AIA here in Arizona. But we're, have you seen much of an increase with the aggressiveness uh, and, you know, I, 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 they're calling it boorish behavior uh, when, I, when I read the, the little updates from uh, the uh, National Federation. What, what, what's your take on the scene that's going on in uh, CAA? Uh, at the level of uh, high school sports and the County Athletic Association, I don't really feel like that's where the major problem is, to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. we, have, we do have some issues, but we do not have um, a large majority of issues with lack of sportsmanship. I'm not going to say it's not there. It, it, it is. But I feel that the majority of where I'm seeing most outrageous incidences, unfortunately, is at the lower levels, like 
you know, youth, the youth level, youth football, youth basketball, um, those levels I feel are where we're having the greatest issues and greatest impact on a lot of what was already said, um, just the climate of our world and just the media and everything being magnified. So I think that is where I'm seeing the greatest um, issues. I'm not saying that there aren't officials that are not desiring to officiate anymore, even at the high school level, because a lot of them do both. And when they get tired at one level, at some point, they're just like, is it, is it worth it? High mm -hmm. school or not? Is it worth it to it's, you know, because most of them, yeah, there is a little financial gain, but most of them, do this as a way to continue to stay connected to the game. And when that love, you know, when they're having to deal with all, all this craziness to do something to stay connected to a game they love, at some point, it's just not worth it. Um, it just takes all the fun out of what, what they're trying to do. Right. So I think that's where I'm seeing the greatest impact is definitely at the lower levels. Okay. And I, I see uh, uh, Kevin Doherty has joined us here on the show. And Kevin, thank you for joining uh, us here on All Over the Place. And uh, I wanted to get your perspective uh, from an assigning Sam. And, and, uh, Kevin is uh, the assign one of the assigners with the Arizona Collegiate Umpire Association. And he's also uh, a sports official across many different sports for, for many years. So, Kevin, what, what, what has been your read on the situation in terms of uh, getting and retaining uh, younger umpires and sports officials in general. I think I've, I'm thinking I'm off mute now. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, we've experienced the same issues. I think everybody else has. Um, people, not not as many people interested in getting started as maybe there used to be, and then coming out and having bad experiences on the field and not wanting to come back and put themselves in that position. So, yeah, it, it, it does. It's, it's not a different, different effect for us than anybody else. Uh, in fact, some cases may be worse because it's baseball versus, uh, you know, basketball or football. Mm -hmm. And I, I know that at the uh, AIA level here in uh, the, the high school association here in Arizona, I'm, if I'm remembering right from a meeting earlier this year, is either 12 or 14 days in a row, uh, one of the uh, the head uh, administrator had to be deal had to deal with uh, ben uh, bench clearing brawls for 12, 12 to fourteen days in a row. Every day he had to deal with something in that regard with, with the the volatility going on. And and Kevin, you and I have shared uh, conversations in terms of you know the the sports officials reining that in, and you think that we're not doing enough that you can do that but sure uh i think the environment we have created over the years and by years i mean wait, what are you guessing two or three They're... decades wait sean what are is you guessing? somehow we've encouraged officials or given them the false sense that ejections are bad and stepping in and handling situations is is a bad thing because it, yeah, probably it makes right. you unpopular and you're not going to you're not going to advance. You're not going to work postseason. You're not going to get the state championships. And I just think that's a bad message that we've sent people because, uh, to be perfectly honest, I think most administrators want the officials that'll step up and handle something. Uh, I think it just shows that they are advanced officials, not you know run of the mill. And I think it, as umpires. You know, I, we had this conversation earlier, uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago, about you know what what the rule book refers to as something that is an objectionable, objectionable offense. And when you look at when you read it, you when you read it in the rule book and then watch a game, you're like, oh my, it's it, it's happened a dozen times already, and no one said anything. So I think we we are underacting far far, far more than we are overreacting. Gotcha. Uh, I just think we need to, you know, at all levels, we need to, you know, from, from a baseball perspective, we need to encourage uh, our umpires that the first time somebody does something, 
you know, we don't just kind of tuck our heads and, and ignore it. We need to deal with it. And it, it's relatively simple. You give a warning and then if that doesn't work, you eject somebody. And that sounds kind of harsh. And uh, But the reality is if, if I'm coaching a game and I get ejected three games in a row in the second inning because I'm yelling about pitches, at some point in time, I'm going to have to reevaluate my approach. Now, that's assuming I don't run to the tournament director and the tournament director runs to the umpire coordinator wanting the umpires fired because they ejected somebody. But I really think a lot of this is, I think, let me rephrase that. I think as officials, we're the only group that has any chance of stopping this, this trend of bad behavior. Mm-hmm. Because for the most part, this bad behavior is, is directed at us. Occasionally it's directed at other teams or teammates, but for the most part, it's umpires and other teams that uh, players and fans are yelling at. So, okay, I've rambled along. <laughs> and uh, no, not at all. And I think you're right that it, there needs to be a consistency amongst the sport, uh, the officiating uh, or sports officials across the board. And uh, on that, that's a great segue. I'm bringing into the conversation a friend of mine, a former mentor of mine back when I first started doing youth sports, Mr. Glenn Stillenbauer. And Glenn, welcome to the show. And, uh, you know, uh, bouncing off of what Kevin just said, what, what's been your experience uh, as you move for, through both youth sports and, and, and high school and, and beyond? Well, I think it's getting, it's, the trend's been getting a little bit worse as, as it's been going on. Um, I've been officiating for Did they Uh-oh. Me? Where do you go? Hello? Oh, well, lost you there for a second, Glenn. You've been officiating since uh, 93. Okay. So m- most of your life you started as a youth umpire, correct? Correct. So I uh, uh, now what have you been doing? Uh again, you know, going off of what uh, bouncing off of what Kevin had mentioned. What steps are you taking, and what steps are you are you seeing in the uh, in the California system? Uh, what what power is being given to the umpires, and you know, and in terms of being supported by by the uh, the associations? I mean, we a lot of our a lot of the backing is coming from you know the the federations and the groups, so we are getting backed. Um, depending on what you're doing, I mean, I work all sorts of leagues. I do high school. Um, adult ball and uh, youth ball and youth ball in particular they're usually run through park and recs and the park and recs it's usually just a slap in the wrist um, because they the the problem that we're having with the park and rec is they have got to be loyal to the city and the coaches but they also want to try to back the umpires as well so they're trying to do like a half and half thing mm-hmm. and, and and that's where it's and that's where it's a little tough because you know where someone who's you know, depending on who you're who you're dealing with or what's 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 happening, you may be dealing with a city official, and the city won't will give them a little bit more leniency on this. Mm-hmm. Whereas, uh, if you're dealing with someone who's just like a, a fan or a parent, and they don't really know who they are, they may be a little stricter. Um, and that's what I'm seeing. Right, and uh, Dana, um, with what we're what we're taught. Uh, at the uh, high school level is a system that we go through, which is, you know, ignore, I say that there's barking coming from a dugout, ignore, acknowledge, restrict, and then eject. And is that, is that something that, you know, that, uh, well, we, we obviously we get the support from the powers that be, but is that something where we are maybe giving coaches, uh, thinking of what, what Kevin was saying, giving them too much rope, In some cases, yes. I think that every state is a little bit differently with how they view some of that. Um, You know, it's always something that we're worried about is consistency within officiating, but certainly there is probably some philosophical differences from state to state about how much, how much is too much, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, I think where we're really running into issues with regard to coach behavior in particular Um, spectator behavior is kind of a whole other ball of wax, but with regard to coach behavior, so much of what we're seeing across the country is because of the official shortage, we've had to put people on games that they probably aren't ready for that level yet. 
they're still trying to figure out balls and strikes and holding and block charges and all of that. And they don't have that experiential wisdom to be able to deal with a coach who might be heated about something. So a lot of times that, that rope, so to speak, is really because they just, they don't understand the game management aspect yet. And it's been a difficult balance of having a game get canceled because there are no officials or putting officials on games just to ensure that there's somebody to call them. So I think that some of what we're seeing with regard to maybe coaches getting away with a little bit more is we do have officials that just, they aren't ready yet. Um, and it it's one of those things where, you know, it's, it's a vicious cycle and we're trying to figure out how to make sure that the kids have the opportunities to play but we also are trying to figure out how to not put officials in situations. They're going to be negative for them because we, we absolutely lose them when they get into a situation that's over their heads. Um, we had a lot of discussion. We had an officiating consortium in April where we talked about problems, about solutions. And so much of the issue was really focused on spectator behavior and we're trying to really partner with uh, principals associations, athletic directors associations, superintendents associations to take care of what's going on in their schools, campuses, facilities, whatever the case may be, because so many of the, the behavioral issues in the stands, that's not what the officials should be worrying about anyway. They shouldn't have to focus on what's going on in the stands. That's a site administrator issue. And when that's not taken care of and then it falls on the shoulders of the official, now we've got another set of, of issues and barriers for people who are trying to give back at the high school level. And that, that's been a, a quandary for sure, but we're, we're trying to look at it from every possible perspective. And we're partnering with youth sports right now and collegiate sports, administrators, law enforcement personnel, media, you name it. We're trying to forge these partnerships so that when officials go to a contest in any sport at any level, they have a safe environment to work in because at the end of the day, that's what that's what our responsibility is, is to those men and women who are who are allowing kids the opportunity to participate to make sure that they aren't getting assaulted in the parking lot and berated for an entire contest. So it's a it's a daunting task. But as we've seen more of these issues on the rise, understanding that sometimes it's a coach inciting the behavior or sometimes it's just a, a fan gone crazy. Those are all issues that are, are kind of been put at our feet that we're trying to figure out how to combat. Mm -hmm. And I know it, it's, I've heard of something. I, I don't know uh, specific, I, specifically which associations and tournaments have been doing it, but we have the kids who are playing the sports, the, the student athletes signing codes of conduct. And I've heard that there there's rumors, Bruin could be apocryphal stories. I don't know, but having parents, and people who are attending have to have a code of conduct. And what's the viability of that? I, I'll put that to both you and, and to Shannon. Although, you know, Shannon, as you mentioned, it's not as much of a, a problem with parents at, in the CAA organization. I mean, I still have seen some things where it, it's become more heated and volatile than, than necessary. Do we, do we need to take this to a, a code of conduct for parents? I think at the high school level, I think that there is a, a very good chance, again, dependent upon state, that that will happen. We, uh, coming out of the consortium, we were kind of charged with putting some language together that state associations can use. So that'll be rolled out in our toolkit at the end of this month. But I do know of, and I couldn't tell you the leagues, but just some of the samples and examples that I've been seeing where youth sports are basically saying, if you want your kid to participate in this league whatever it is you not only will sign a code of conduct but you're going to take a sportsmanship class and if you violate it both you and your child are are done and you know that's something that i think is starting to gain some momentum because the you know the majority of, of parents and coaches are not the problem it's that 10 percent, just like it's 10 percent of everything in our lives mm -hmm. that the most headaches but I think that there are parents who would really like for some of the ones who don't quite get what youth sports are about that would like to see that happen because it would be a better environment for everybody. When you're sitting there watching your kid, you don't necessarily want to listen to somebody screaming at the, the officials as well as the players in some cases and the coaches. But it 
it takes a lot of bravery to step up as a fellow spectator and tell somebody to, to knock it off. So I think that people are starting to look to their leagues at all levels to help, you know, figure out how to, how to deal with this because it's just, it's gone on for too long and there's, there's been a lot of talk about it, but not a lot of action. So we're definitely um, in that action phase at this point. Mm-hmm. And, and Shannon, what, what, uh, what about CAA in terms of experiences there? Where a code of conduct might might be necessary at some point, even even though it's a lesser volatile area. Uh oh, did we lose Shannon? Are you there? Uh oh. Okay, well we'll come back to Shannon. Oh, there you are. There you are. Yeah. Well, I thought we were uh, talking about parents' code of conduct. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. I mean, do you, do you, I, just even though it's a lesser volatile area, I mean, things are still happening there on you know on a much smaller scale. But just, you know, as things start to creep up from the youth sports. Right. Yeah, I think I think it's definitely something that is not a bad idea to put in place. What it's going to do is going to help on the back end of um, accountability. That's really all it's going to do. But it, the thing that it's not going to stop, unfortunately, is that parent that is going to act like a crazy person, unfortunately, for whatever has set them off. Signing that piece of paper is not going to, unfortunately, stop all that. But it definitely will help the leagues and organizations and um, to have more uh, accountability on the back end to then say, hey, if this happens, your kids are going to be suspended. They're going to be not allowed to play in our league, not going to be allowed to participate and or you're not going to be able to come watch your kids play. I mean, I've been I've been in a situation. I'm I hate to say I've cleared a gym, but I have. But there, there are situations where, I mean, it's unfortunate for the kids because we want the parents to be there to support them and to cheer them on. But there are situations where, unfortunately, parents got to go. And I'm talking, like I said, I've been a part and seen situations where they said, that's it. Everybody, everybody's out. If you want this game to continue, you've got to go. And it's, it's sad for the kids. But, you know, those kind of things definitely can't hurt. Um, um, just like I said, just to help with the accountability on the back end. Absolutely. And I think one thing that uh, some statistics that we got earlier this year from another of the newsletters that parents, I think, need to be made aware of is that the kids that participate, the student athletes that participate in high school sports, the vast majority of them, their participation ends after high school or or with high school, I should say. And the highest percent of, of players who go on to the next level is baseball. And that's just 7, 7.5%, 5.6% of softball players and 73 of football players. Those are the highest percentages. So the expectation levels, and look, I know parents, they love their kids. I respect that. I appreciate that. But when it goes beyond the cheering and encouraging your kid and you think you're the umpire, you think you're the coach, you think you're the manager, I think knowing statistics like that, might be um, might help sober them up to to realizing i just want my kid to enjoy the game now because i'm not going to get to see them play at the next level they don't want to move on to the next level and actually i see also we're joining us here a former teammate of mine and i know a very proud parent of some student athletes mr mike wilson mike welcome to the show thanks for joining us and oh i thought maybe jump in I was trailing off there at the end. Maybe you didn't realize that. I ran out of air. So, um, and with with the, uh, I think with youth officials going back to what Kevin had mentioned, is uh, you know, and uh, and Dan, I think you touched on it as well with the uh, enabling younger umpires or less experienced umpires. We we've all been there at some point. I remember when I first came up to the high school level, and we had classes that we had to go to, and they're. And justifiably so, we had to know the rules, uh, on-field mechanics, stuff like that. I and Dana and and uh, and Shannon and Kevin, you as well, were in dealing with uh, umpires in in a uh, showcase setting. What are your thoughts in terms of adding to that uh, a practicum uh, of you know a class? So that they know, so that we as officials know how to better deal with parents who might get heated or coaches who might get heated, making that a requirement as much as the, the rules aspects of it. 
And that that's something we're actually working on right now at the NFHS level, as well as some of our state associations. Um, I started at the National Federation last fall, and when I came in, one of the first things that I did was ask state associations what they needed from us. And initially, I thought it was going to be more in terms of rules and mechanics training, but almost exclusively, what they're asking for are those quote-unquote soft skills. So how do we start talking and teaching courses and doing videos about conflict resolution, communication, verbal judo, all of those things that really help prepare um, an official for what they will likely deal with at some point in their career during a contest. If it's a, a coach who's heated, if it's a, a spectator, whatever the case may be, how do they deal with that? Because there's so much outside of the rule book that we haven't focused enough time on nationally. There are states who do a very good job of it individually, but as an NFHS, it's what our focus is starting this fall as far as really coming up with coursework, um, both long in-depth courses, as well as just some kind of quick tips and tricks that officials can use so that they, they know, first of all, that they should expect the unexpected, but also how to deal with those things when they occur. So that, that's been a message sent to us loud and clear from our member state associations as far as devising some coursework in the, in the soft skills area. Oh, that is that is excellent news to hear. And Glenn, uh, what as someone who has been training youth officials in in the Burbank Park and Rec system, and just very quickly with that, what we did with uh, the younger kids, the youth ball back in Burbank, was uh, for the third and fourth grade and fifth and sixth grade levels, there would be an adult behind the plate, and there would be a uh, kid, a teenager, high schooler, typically uh, on the bases. And if there's a question with a call for something that the the teen or that the youth umpire made, uh, they would not talk to the individual kid. They would talk to us, the, the adult umpire, and then we would go and talk to the kid to, to better relate it. And Glenn, is that still the case or has, has it moved on to maybe better training the, the youth umpires in, in dealing with, with the coaches and managers? Yes, that's 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 how we do it in Burbank. But we, um, we've kind of taken it a little bit a step further, depending on the how long the youth has been in there. And um, the question comes through the plate umpire first, and then we format whatever the question would be, and we say to the coach, "This is what you're going to ask them." And then they would go to the youth official, and then the youth official would make a judgment on what the question was. And if it's something we need to get together, the youth official can get together with us and we'd have a private conversation and we let the coach know, okay, you're going to head back to the dugout. And then whatever the, whatever the outcome of the call is, that's the outcome of the call. We can discuss it after the game in a civil manner, but that's, that's the call's going to stand. And they usually take, the coaches usually take pretty good heat on that. Okay. That's, that's good to know. And I'm, I'm glad things have evolved in that regard back there. And, and uh, Coach Bill, uh, um, with you as, as a mentor to these kids and, and the players and also in dealing with, with managers at different levels, what, what, what's your experience been like in terms of passing along information and uh, you know, the quality and the expectation of sportsmanship? And these are the, the tw 10 to <laughs> the five to six seconds of, of delay. Uh, I, I do apologize for this, folks. We're, Coach Bill, are you still with us? Oh, I, I hear rumblings. I do. Podcasting. I'm still, I'm, I'm still getting used to this. Jim, make your jokes as, as necessary. <laughs> Uh, and, and Jim, actually, uh, while while we wait for Coach Bill to jump in, I mean, you you're the the parent uh, of uh, of a youth. I mean, I, how much have you involved him in sports, and and how much have you and your wife as parents been been involved? Well, he's incredibly involved in sports, most more so than I was as a kid, for sure. Um, he he, you know, he just jumps into every sport he can get his hands on and plays better than I can now. So, um, we we try try to keep it fairly hands off. Uh, and just kind of let him, you know, be responsible and enjoy himself. But I, but I would say as a parent nowadays, uh, I'm sure there's a lot of parents here that can back me up on this, but uh, it really is a very different landscape 
culturally speaking, to raise a child in than it was when I was a kid in the 80s, uh, just in terms of the parenting styles and the culture. And it really is like a, like a very different world in a lot of ways, um, at, at least in my experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, and certainly a lot of parents are much more hands-on. I'm not going to go so far as to use the word helicopter, but but definitely hovering um, and much more involved in, in their, their kids' day-to-day lives, especially sports. And there is a tendency to personalize everything uh, right. as far as what their kids are doing. Uh, so, you know, their kid gets struck out, if their kid gets fouled, if their kid gets a bad call, that can get, you know, there, there are a lot of parents out there that will personalize that and, to, and act like, you know, they, they've, they, they, they're, they've been offended. Their family has been offended. And <laughs> it's just, you know, it's, it's, and I, I really, and I know there have been baseball dads as long as there's been baseball, but I feel like it's a lot more prevalent nowadays and the mentality is a lot stronger. Uh, and so I, I really think that, you know, whatever measures can be taken in youth sports to, to improve this fantastic, but I really think it's not going to change or to stop until there's a, a much bigger cultural conversation about, uh, how we need to parent our children and there needs to be a much greater emphasis, I think, on responsibility and on uh, independence. And uh-huh. I think, you know, I think I think sports officials should do whatever they can to move move things in that direction. But I think it needs to be a, a bigger cultural conversation to really uh, to really uh, change this issue. Mm-hmm. No, you mean you don't want mothers coming up to umpires after the game and this did not happen to me i wish this would have happened to me but i've got to share this little anecdotal thing it's one of my uh brethren back in burbank a mother came up to him after the game and said would you please quit calling so many strikes on my son you're hurting his feelings (laughs) you're hurting his i would have just asked to see the bat and have him swing and say yeah it works (laughs) <laughs> oh, actually, or, or turn around. Uh, would you please have him swing his bat because that hurts my feelings? <laughs> but that—that's me, old school, and I, I think M- M- Mr. Wilson will yeah. <laughs> will back that up. Uh, you know, again, it's a different climate now, and, and I mean, that, for all the reasons Dana mentioned earlier, and it's uh, yeah, the cultural swing has got to happen, and whether that involves you know the code of conduct or and I. And 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 Kevin and I discussed this, and he brought up a little bit earlier with just the the umpires, the sports officials in general, just being more uh, proactive in terms of policing this and get getting the support from the organizations, which again more often than not do, as Glenn Glenn talked about, and just uh, if it's got to come to calling the police until people realize uh, they're acting out of line. Is that extreme? Maybe, maybe not. But, you know, it's as uh, was recently told to me, technically speaking, you are disturbing the peace and that tends to want to involve the police. Eric, can I jump in here for a moment? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yes, please. I uh, actually, I just wanted to comment uh, two things. One, something Dana mentioned earlier as far as the youth sports. Uh, Here in Arizona, one of the one of the youth sports, which is primarily, you know, nine, nine through 13, 14 year olds, uh, their policy is if a parent, parent, guardian, anybody with a child associated with a child is, is ejected from the ballpark, that child has to leave with them. And that is, has been incredibly effective uh, because now the child who, you know, in many cases couldn't care what happened on the play is upset because dad got stupid and now I'm having to leave and I can't play today. So I, I, I think it's been very, very effective uh, from that perspective of, of, of reigning adults in because they're hurting their children. Definitely. And, and, and I've, I've seen it. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. No, I was going to change subjects, but go ahead. Oh, no, because I, and this is, there's several things that have led me to wanting to do this particular episode because, you know, I'm, I realize that I'm naive. I realize that I'm more idyllic than I need to be. And, but I love, I love the game of baseball. I love sports in general. I think just being able to play sports is what keeps kids kids. 
And, and again, it's more than just sports, but societally, when you're making kids grow up too quickly and you're taking away the the fun of being a kid. And it just breaks my heart that I've had to deal, especially this year in like youth softball and um, kids being yelled at from the stands. Oh, no, don't don't worry about. Oh, no, just uh, uh, it's OK. It's OK. Three breaths after they were told, do this, do this, do that. And just I'm like. And they're nervously looking over at the stands all the time. And I saw that back when I was in Burbank too, just the nervousness of like, oh my gosh, my dad or my mom is going to go ballistic if I don't do well. And I saw three little girls break down in tears this year. And I, and like, is this what we've come to that we, we've got to, we've got parents that can't realize that they're not allowing their kids to be kids. And I, I, I like what you, that, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up, Kevin, that it was, uh, you know, if, Mom and dad get ejected, kids got to go too, and and I know I know that bothers the kids. And you know, like one one of my brethren out here is like, if he does get involved, he said, don't be that dad. Nobody likes that dad, especially your kid. That tends to quiet people down too. So, and I was like, yeah. where, where are we going to go, Kevin? The other point I was going to make was um, was to Shannon uh, with her uh, with her reference to clearing the gym. And my tongue-in-cheek response to that is, oh, couldn't you have handled it differently? And (laughs) (laughs) my point there is, as an administrator, we have to support our officials. And I I bring up that that, uh, couldn't you have handled it differently because that's been asked of me several times over my career. And my answer is always, yes, I could have. I could have completely and entirely ignored the whole situation. So for what uh, what Shannon did as far as clearing the gym, kudos to Shannon. We need people who will step up and handle things, and then we need administrators to support them when they do. Exactly. And, and building and jumping off of that, I, I there was an instance uh, with me this year where I went to, and I had to go to the athletic director who was on site. And... They did not do anything for two and a half innings as, as a problem exacerbated. And his school uh, was taunting the other player who was at bat or players who are at bat and harassing the officials. And you got to, you know, you, you deal with that as you can, as you should. But when an athletic director doesn't get involved and, you know, how often do you see uh, that uh, lending itself to to you know where the situation where we are both to Dana and to Shannon on that. Uh, well, I guess I can jump in. Um, how often do we see athletic directors um, not handling situations? Well, unfortunately, sometimes um, in our games, sometimes athletic director is not in the building, mm-hmm. so that can be a, that can be a problem. I think for the most part, when they are they are very, very good about stepping in and stepping up and handling situations. Um, because I mean, there, there's, a, there's a line of, we need you just the same thing like in a youth basketball game coach or a youth football game coach. It's your sideline, take care of your sideline. If you can't take care of your sideline or you've got a parent acting crazy, take care of your parent because the next step is gonna be, if you can't take care of the situation I'm asking to take care of, the next step is not something that's gonna be beneficial to anybody because you know there's all too many games as we know that have ended early because things are out of control i think for the most part athletic directors at least my experience are very very good um, when they are there to step up and do what they need to do Um, because it's i mean let's be honest it can be very embarrassing for their school as much as anything Mm -hmm. it's not what they want their school to be represented by so um, my experience with athletic directors has been been 99% of the time pretty good. So and I think Shannon's right on. I think that the, the majority of the time athletic directors do a good job of it. I think where we run into issues is the times when the athletic director is also the head coach, which happens quite a bit in some of the smaller states where the, the AD is the coach. And now we have a coach who is actively coaching the game plus they're the ad so you can guess that that uh, game site administration doesn't work very well they've kind of got their hands full with coaching um 
but uh, what we're really trying to stress at the high school level is for officials to make sure that they are seeking out whoever the game site administrator is. It may not be the the AD. It might be a a teacher that's there after hours to be the game site administrator. But a lot of times, if that pregame doesn't happen with game site administration, when something goes down on the stands, the official doesn't even know where the person is who they should be contacting. So part of it is a training issue um, as we're meeting with the other players, we've already had the officials consortium. Now we're meeting with all of the other parties to talk about really training their staff about what to do when something goes down from a security standpoint, from an administrative standpoint. Are you going to just warn them and then walk away? Are you going to throw them out? What are you going to do? So we're really trying to provide more resources for state associations to pass on to their athletic administrators about making sure that there's someone there, making sure security is present to get officials into their locker rooms at halftime and after games, because that doesn't always happen. And, you know, as we see assaults taking place in parking lots, that's a direct result of hostile environment during the game, game ends, and now the officials are left on their own to walk out to their cars in a dark parking lot. So. We're, we're really trying to be a resource to our states and to the schools within those states to provide some information about what everybody's job is once the, you know, once the ball goes up. So it's, you know, it's a lot of moving parts and there's a lot of layers to the issue. And we're just trying to make sure that we're collaborating with all entities and, and leaving no stone unturned. So it's been a it's a terrifying but exciting task to make sure that we've got all the all the players involved in how to clean this up. And Dana, Dana and uh, Eric nailed it with um, that exactly what she said is where we run into our problems. And it, a lot of it goes back to the officials not doing their due diligence. A lot of times when, you know, you walk into a lower level game and they don't do captain's meetings and other things, but when they don't take it upon themselves to find out where that administration is, that's where the, that's where breakdowns happen. And that's where we can get ourselves in trouble. Absolutely. Nothing good comes of that. No. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I want to jump back to something uh, from earlier uh, with, with youth officials coming up. And uh, help me out here, Dana. Do we know the number? Because what I've been told, especially this year, as we are trying to recruit the next generation, is the average age of the baseball umpire in N NFHS – Really? Age 67? Is that the case? That sounds right, because um, across all sports, the average age is somewhere around 62 or 63 in all sports. So it, it would not surprise me that 67 is the age of baseball umpires. Um, we're, we're trying to gather some of that information and some new surveys to see where, where we are. But um, that number, as much as I would like it to surprise me, it does not surprise me. Okay, well, I'm still feeling uh, I'm on the younger end of that, so you know, uh, you don't slow down, you don't grow old, or something like that. So I'll, I'll keep that in mind as I inch towards age 67, slowly but hopefully surely. And another thing that I, you know, again, it's I'm sure there are no excuses for parents and you know and behavior that is unbecoming. But I, I wanted to find out because I know I, I'm going to use as an example. I'm going to say kind of proudly here, my, my high school back in, uh, back in Ohio recently won the, the Division One state championship. And of those guys on that roster, only one of them is moving on and playing at the next level. And I believe he's only be doing, uh, uh, not only, I'm proud of anybody who gets to play at the next level. Uh, he, it's a Division Three scholarship. But compare that to where I am out here in Arizona, which they've got, you know, the, the facilities here, you've got, the, you've got pros who retire here. It's, it's an environment that is much more, uh, competitive and you know and I you know you look at a state like Ohio where in at least a school like like mine even you know with a state championship you've got one kid going on and that brings that you know that 7.5 percent going on to play in the NCAA or at the next level bringing it down but you go to the, there's certain high schools out here where their 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 programs are you know producing you know on a roster of like let's say you've got 10 seniors eight, nine, sometimes all 10 of them are moving on to play at the next level. And, you know, where, you know, does that, um, or is it mainly the Southern state or, I mean, like wet weather conducive states 
that bump that average up or and, uh, I'll put that to you, uh, Dana, and also Shannon, your experience with that here in uh, with the CAA schools, which are mainly, you know, the, the kids aren't as geared for the next level in their sports, but just any uh, input in, in that regard. Are we talking about the possibility of those players becoming officials or? Uh, no, in terms of going on, in terms of, you know, uh, not excusing parental behavior, but mainly explaining it. And it's wrong. But do you think that they, the parents get more amped up because, oh, my kid is going to move to the next level. And I, I, I deserve to be unruly. I just, you know, again, it's inexcusable. I'm not, but does that maybe lend to the mindset of a parent who thinks, that, you know, his kid? I don't, I don't think it, I don't think they discriminate. I, I honestly, I, I think there are so many parents who are living vicariously through their kids right now. Um, they, they didn't make the, the big show. So they think their child is going to, mm-hmm. but I've really looked at this whole shortage of officials, all of this. And I, I kind of call the per, the parent, the parent and spectator behavior, the next pandemic so I remember when sports were shut down and all we heard, I was at the state association in New Mexico at the time, all we heard is, oh, we just want our kids to play. We would give anything for our kids to play. So when we came back to playing, we really thought that some of that garbage in the stands would be cleaned up and they came back almost worse in some cases. Yeah. And one of the things that I've talked to parents about directly is all you wanted was for your kids to play. They're playing now. The next pandemic is your behavior because the way you're acting is keeping people from officiating. You have control over this. No one had control over COVID. We all have control over what comes out of our mouths, how we conduct ourselves in the stands. And if parents continue to act the way that they do, they're going to be the ones to blame when their kids don't get to participate. And trying to drive that message home, they just, they don't get it because they get so wrapped up in the competition. Um, Dr. Harold Slemmer, uh, former AIA executive director, was speaking one time, and one of the things he said that I never thought about was high school and youth sports are one of the more difficult arenas to call to to be in sports because every player is somebody's kid, so every mm-hmm. fan is somebody's parent. So there's that very personal, very emotional connection with everybody it's not like going to a professional football game where you're just you know you're probably just a fan you're not related to anybody on the team by and large so hearing that and really understanding that that emotional connection is because it's their kid playing it doesn't matter if their kid's the best or the worst person on that team they all feel like they're going to be the next big thing and they forget that at the high school level it's about education based athletics and becoming lifelong learners and be, you know, character development and all of that. It's just getting the W's and becoming the the next LeBron. And it it's, it's unrealistic, but I, I think that it doesn't matter where in the country, there's always going to be that group of very emotionally charged fans. That dad, that mom. And Mike, if you, if you are able to join in with us here, I know that you are, and what you've shared on uh, Facebook and, and social media, you're a very proud parent, as you should be, with uh, the accomplishments that your girls have done. And, uh, just, uh, but, and you are a guy who is level-headed about it. What are your thoughts on potentially influencing those parents around you and saying, hey, come on, really? Knock that off kind of thing. Is that something that should be encouraged? Well, it says Mike's connected, but uh, well, Glenn, I'll, I'll put that in, uh, to you as a parent as well, um, and 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 observing stand because and believe there are good parents in the stands, and I and I've had the pleasure of talking with a few, and they'll they'll come up to me, and and just say they they like how I was with the this is on the on the youth level more often more than than high school, but seeing my style and saying you know I, I like what you were able to do with the the kids and just you, you're making it fun for them that kind of thing so there are good parents out there and how can we encourage them to maybe stand up to the uh the the less than savory parents well i i see it in all different levels now that i have a high schooler in high school and um you know growing up going in with the him through youth ball and through now the high school level um I've been fortunate where I haven't had, you know, there hasn't been too many incidences with officials where they've had to do it, but there has been a few games where the official, you know, I don't know if I, I, if they were just not on their a game or they were just off 
And, you know, they get they get into it. And I just said, you know, you got to just let him be and let him call his game. There's nothing we can do. The kids, the kids got to take it over and let them decide the game. And, you know, there's been a couple of times where I've, I've almost stepped in and said, hey, just just knock it off. It's not his fault. But, it, it, you know, for the most part, they, they they do try. But sometimes it just gets some, the emotions take over. And I'm going to put this out there for, for uh, you, Glenn, and also for you, Kevin. And I say this half tongue in cheek, but do you think we should have like an umpire purge day where we get to throw back at them everything coming at us? Where we, you know, if you want to bellyache about the strike zone or calls made on the bases, we get to mention every error that was made or we get to mock what happens on there if the coach says and calls for a button and they, and they screw that up. Should we have an umpire purge day? I'm, uh, <laughs> this is Kevin, I'll speak. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding, by the way. It would be fun, but I, I, know, uh, I know we can't do I'm re- it. I'm reminded of my uh, verbal judo class, so I'm going to respectfully answer, of course not. Uh, <laughs> I, I'll agree with that one, of course not. But I have, I have had really nice discussions with um, some of our unruly parents out here, especially in Burbank. Um, there was one who was just always knacking at me and knacking at me and knacking at me at every game. And we just by happens to be at a local brewery out here. And um, my wife noticed them. And I, I didn't put two and two together until after maybe a couple beers. And what I did was I flipped it on him and I bought him around. Didn't tell mm-hmm. who I was. I just said, can I buy that whatever group that is right there that a round of beers? And then he came over and, you know, ever since that day, he comes up and talks to me, tells me how good my games are. So sometimes, you know, you just have to have that camaraderie outside of baseball because we're just there for baseball. And we're there to do a job. And if you flip it on a day when they're not there, they the, the sometimes that's how you have to earn your respect. Mm-hmm. I would agree the – Anatomy on on a t- I can't say it now. Enmity. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. Enmity. Uh, the fact I think that n- neither party knows each other. Oh, the anonymity. Uh, there it is. I still can't say it. Um, <laughs> NFHS. There, I did it again. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, the anonymity it definitely plays you got into that, it. That and so it's easy to dislike what somebody says or does. And as soon as you, as soon as you have a bit of a balance there, believe it or not, that's one of the things that works well in professional baseball is, you know, you see this manager five, six, seven days in a row, and then you may go see him for another three days on the road. Mm -hmm. So you, you, you interact as, as a human being and then occasionally fall into the, this, the baseball mode but you still come back to the human being aspect of it. Uh-huh. And that that's much healthier than, you know, the, the high school coach that maybe sees uh, that umpire twice a season and has, you know, no concept other than what he perceives as, as they're on the field together. We all just want to get along and that, that's what comes at least with me, I know I, I can I can speak uh, for Glenn on this. And, you know, that's why we've gotten along so well through the years. And just uh, most umpires, I, the strong majority of umpires I know, we, we want to be out there making making the environment as fair and you know for the for the kids who are playing the game. And I having those conversations with parents where it's not as combative as you know a game time happens. It, it that definitely definitely helps, and uh, it's. I, I hope the pendulum can start swinging back in the right direction. And, you know, uh, I'm, and, you know, Dana and, and uh, Shannon, Kevin, thank you for, for, uh, you know, being able to add your, your professional insight into this definitely uh, is appreciated. And Glenn, uh, thanks for, for uh, stopping by as well here on all over the place. And I, I guess uh, as, as we uh, start to wrap things up, anything, um, any parting shots, I'll, I'll, I'll start with where we began with Dana and anything that you, you would like to add that, that we maybe didn't touch on in this hour. I don't think so. Just thank you so much for the time and um, for officials who might be listening. Thank you for what you do. Um, the, the amount of hours that you spend 
not just calling, but perfecting your, your craft is noticed, it's acknowledged, and it's appreciated, even though you may not hear it very often, if ever. Uh, just just keep up the hard work and certainly know that you're making a difference. I, I know that it, it's rough out there sometimes, so we're hoping to help clean it up. Indeed. And uh, Shannon, to you? Um, yeah, I mean, this this these topics could really, we could go on for another couple hours, honestly. <laughs> um, but <laughs> I mean, I appreciate, you know, your time and your attention to this um, situation that we have going on with officials. And I guess if there's, I don't know if we have parents listening as well, but just to remember that we have all levels of officials out there and, you know, you might have a first year official um, and just like your kids miss shots, you know, they miss plays, they miss calls. Um, and then I think Dana has a lot of great ideas and there's a lot of things we can do education wise um, to help officials. It's just going to take some effort, some time, um, and just, again, remembering that we have officials at all levels, and there's a lot of different directions we could go with this, but uh, uh, anything we can do, um, I'm here. Let me know, Eric, and uh, appreciate your time. No, you're very welcome. Thank you, Shannon. And, uh, you know, Ke Kevin, uh, you know, as someone who is uh, putting officials out there uh, week in and week out, uh, just anything you'd like to add? Oh, actually, thank you for inviting me. I uh, really enjoyed listening to everybody and and uh, appreciate the comments. Without a doubt. So, and uh, Glenn, thank you for being a mentor for me to, to get me uh, to the level where I am now, getting me down that road. And uh, thank you for continuing to do what you do back there in Burbank. I know it's a rough landscape some days and uh, thank you. Well, thank you for having me on. This was a great topic. And, you know, any parents or anybody listening, you know, we're just out there just to do a job and just to have fun just as much as the kids are. The only difference between us and the kids is we have the better seat in the, the whole the whole stadium. Uh, what, are, are you saying the people who are behind a couple of poles and some chain link fence don't have the best view? No, we can, I, we're, we're up close. I mean, you oh, can't get closer than us. Oh, I, oh I, I, I don't know, man. They seem to have the better vantage point. But I should not, you know, <laughs> that's cynical, Eric, talking. And then I'm going to get a little judo now. And parents, and I, I say this to the kids when, when I'm umping as well. I tell them, play as long as you can. It's, in my book, the, the best game in the world, whether it's baseball or softball, if that's your thing, or whatever sport you're doing, I should say. Well, whatever it is, I know baseball speaks most to me. But play as long as you can. And once you're done, either become a coach or become an official because it keeps you tied into the game that you love. And, uh, and I said, parents, you know, we, we'd love to have you out there. If you've got spare time, it, this for me started as a hobby and became a passion and a hobby that paid. And now this is what I do. And uh, I, I want to keep doing it for as long as I can because I, I, love, I love the game of baseball and I, and I want your – I want the kids to enjoy it, and, I, and I, if that's something you want to come on out and, and join us, get in touch with your local local organizations, and they'll, they'll set you up, get you the right training, and get out there on the fields. And I, I want to thank everybody again, Dana and Shannon and Kevin, Glenn, uh, Jim as well, and th thanks everyone for joining us here on All Over the Place, and we'll be back two weeks right now as our – Listen for us next week. I'll get the word out on, on everything, but uh, no scheduled guests for next week. But in two weeks, we've got a, a pretty big one. I'm, I'm excited to be uh, welcoming uh, Dr. Graham Spanier, former president of, of Penn State. We're going to be on uh, discussing his book in the lion's den. And uh, as always, thanks for joining us here on All Over the Place. Take care, everyone. We'll hear you soon.